You are now listening to Wave a Sound. Welcome to episode 47 of Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Michael History. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen. And if you're on any preferred platform, let us know and we'll do our best to change that. For exclusive first looks at Versus Mike History, follow and subscribe to Versus Mike History on the Fanbase app. And any further information can be found at versusmikehistory.com. Next statistic. Of the $84 billion used in advertising, this is for the black media. I hope you're listening. The real black media, not the YouTubians. Of the $84 billion that is used in advertising and marketing, only $18 billion is directed at black people. Did y'all hear that? Of the $84 billion that is used in advertising and marketing every year in America, only $18 billion is directed at blacks and only a portion of that is given to the black media. So not only are you throwing your money away to the enemy, not only are you throwing your money away to the enemy, not only are you throwing your money away to the enemy, those businesses don't even advertise with black media. They don't even advertise with the black media. So our black media companies don't even make money off of all the money you spending with Gucci and Louie and Saks and Neiman Marcus and the NFL and the NBA. They don't even use their advertising dollars to support black media outlets. And yet and still, we still buying that garbage. Yo, 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 what's good, family? We back again for another episode of Versus Mike History. Um, we got some stuff to get into this week. As always, um, I'm recording this at night, and I feel good, you know? Before we get into everything that we need to get into for today, though, I just want to um, remind people because... <clears throat> I've been seeing a bunch of stuff on social media uh, with people in different cities like Houston and Atlanta just acting a damn fool. So please, 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 please do not act like COVID is not around anymore. COVID is still in full force. In fact, we're going we're going through a second wave. So um, I just want everybody to be reminded that we're still social distancing. We're still washing our hands. We're still wearing masks and um, we're still doing everything to prevent this uh prevent this thing from spreading, you know, like I'm not going to sit in here and tell you whether or not you should or shouldn't get the vaccine. You know, that's you. um, If you're listening to this, most likely you're an adult, so you should be making that decision on your own. But, you know, we do have a responsibility as a community to make sure we're not getting each other um, sick. And we've lost too many people already. So it's just, you know, being 
an adult, being mature about it, and being responsible. So I just wanted to let that off before we got into the whole episode. And yeah, let's get started. All right, so I wanted to leave with love with um, giving shout-outs, of course. I wanted to give a shout-out to Drop, uh, Drop Squad Kitchen in Wilmington, Delaware. So um, I was in Delaware a couple of days ago, and I stopped by this black, black-owned vegan restaurant called Drop Squad Kitchen, and um, they have really delicious food. And they were extremely accommodating, and the uh, space was really beautiful. And um, I really enjoyed my my time there. And um, I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys. If you're ever in Wilmington, Delaware, go ahead and stop by Drop Squad Kitchen um, and try some of their food because it's really delicious. And uh, especially their vanilla milkshake, man. Really hit the spot. But yeah, I just wanted to start there. And um, yeah, let's keep it moving. All right, so moving on to our... Um, Black Spotlight. I wanted to highlight this young woman who definitely deserves some praise. So Naomi Beckwith was named the de- the deputy director and chief curator at the Guggenheim Museum. And I'm getting this from Black Enterprise. The art world has always suffered from issues of diversity and amplifying black voices within this space. Now, one of the biggest names in the industry is adding more people to its senior leadership roles. This week, the Guggenheim Museum announced that it will be appointing Naomi Beckwith as its new deputy director and chief curator for the art venue. Beckwith will be the first black person in the role after the museum hired its first full-time black curator in its history in 2019. Nuts. The news comes after many critics within our world have accused the institution of not showcasing black artists and fostering a racist environment amongst its workforce. So shout out to this young black woman, Naomi Beckwith, for achieving a role that no other black person has received um, in the history of the Guggenheim Museum. I'm sure you will bring an excellent slew of black artists and black history um, pieces to that museum. And, you know, it's just a shame that we have to rely on these public institutions to be shamed publicly in order for them to put people of color and specifically black people into leadership positions, because it shows that they know that we're um, we're capable of handling these positions in these roles, but they just don't feel as though they have to change the status quo of what they've been um going through as an organization in order to show some diversity as in what this country is that we live in. Um, It's getting to be more obvious how ingrained white supremacy is into all factions and parts of our life, but it's very interesting to see the public um, be awakened to that as well. So, you know, shout out to this black woman for receiving the opportunity in this way. It's not the most ideal situation, but all in all, it does change things. And um, it's stuff that I like to see. And, you know, I love art myself, so um, I definitely will be paying the Guggenheim some, some, some visits in the near future. And let's go ahead and get into our off the topics. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't have a lot this week. I really don't. Um, I'll talk about some other stuff that I'm excited about, but in terms of like current events and stuff, like I just don't have that much for this week. Um, I'll get started with Versus though. So Versus announces a, announces two things. 
So the first thing that I'll touch on is the fact that Versus has announced a partnership with the NFL. And um, I find it very interesting. So let's read off. Let's read off this post really quickly. Um, the NFL and Versus are partnering for the NFL Pro Bowl presented by Verizon. Uh, and this will be from January 26th to the 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the caption reads, the paperwork is in. Let's give these athletes their flowers too. watch some of today's NFL stars go head to head, showcasing their position highlights every night, January 26th to 29th. The lineup and guests are going to be crazy. Watch pro- which Pro Bowl players do you want to see? Um, I find it really cool that Versus has kind of evolved into this thing that um, is showcasing black talent in general. Um, I love that it started with these this idea that two producers can sit down and play the best of their beats. And it's kind of evolved into this thing where like different corporations want to get involved. And now we are at a place where it's turned into now we are showcasing black athletes and their talents and their highlights. And um, I'm really excited that the brand has remained uh, black after all of this time, um, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of time has passed since this, since this brand was formed. But for the the level of popularity that it has grown to, it could have easily seen um, we could have easily seen it being taken over by white artists and other white brands that we just don't um, care for. And the other thing that they announced was that is the final date for the Keisha Cole versus Ashanti battle and that will be Thursday January 21st um to be honest I don't know if we uh if we're excited for this anymore to be perfectly real you know um I uh I still think that Keisha Cole is gonna smoke Ashanti that's just my personal feelings and this is no disrespect to Ashanti at all it's just um I I seen I've seen how those records do around women you know those Keisha Cole records. Um, the Ashanti records work as well, but the Keisha Cole records, they, they hit different. So um, that's who my money is on. But all in all, I think that Versus is making the the right um, business decisions to keep it, to keep the brand afloat. And I'm really enjoying what they're doing. And, uh, you know, they're getting into the phase of their corporate partnerships and all of those things. And, you know, we can't act like we didn't see that coming. So um, it doesn't really surprise me that <clears throat> it's starting to happen now. But regardless of the regardless of that, um, you know, it's great to see how far this brand has come. And um, shout out to you guys. Shout out to Tim and Swiss. Uh, I'm going to keep it going and move on to the fact that Issa Rae is saying that season five of Insecure will be the last and final season of Insecure. Um Honestly, it was a slight shock and a blow to me that um, she would choose to end the series after five se- after five seasons because I think that um, it could go for, and realistically, I think it could go for like eight seasons for sure without it without any uh, fall off in terms of quality. But um, Issa Rae has been positioning herself very strategic, very strategically in Hollywood to to be a power player and um she's joined the board of uh judges 
to uh, decide on Emmy Awards and who wins um, who wins Emmy Awards in Hollywood. And she's done a bunch of other feature films, and she's created the Black Lady Sketch Show in, in addition to Insecure at HBO. And she has her Issa Rae Presents series on YouTube, and she also helps produce uh, short films on YouTube as well. And, you know, you can just see the trajectory to the trajectory of where this woman is going to go and where she's going to land in Hollywood. And I just see her doing amazing, great things. And her content shouldn't just be stifled to only insecure. You know, uh, we have to see our good sis flourish and do as much as she possibly can. So I'm very excited to see what next steps she takes after insecure. And I'm really excited to see this final season because, you know, the fact that it was announced that this will be the final season so close to it being filmed and it being in production just shows that it's going to build up the hype and um, it shows that they're going to be really putting in quality time and effort into this final season and making sure that the show goes out with a bang. And I really respect that. Um, and I hope and I hope for the best for Issa Rae and for the rest of the cast of Insecure and I'm really excited to see that season when it drops. I don't know if it'll come out this year, to be perfectly honest. Um, but if it does, you know, we'll all be in front of our screens seeing what happens to close out this um, really interesting and beautiful saga that, is, uh, that Issa Rae has created for us. So shout out to you, Issa. And uh, yeah. So that's pretty much all I have for um, Off the Topics. And I'll just breeze by uh, new music as well because not a lot of music dropped this week, to be perfectly honest. Um, I see we have a song from Juice World and Young Thug, um, Black Coffee and Diplo, Noel, Rich the Kid. These are all singles that I'm looking at. Um, in terms of albums, Division dropped the deluxe to their album. You know, and that's pretty much all I see. You know, I don't really see that much. So I'm going to keep it pushing to new TV because I have a bit of stuff to get into. You know, um, I think I want to start with uh, HBO Max just because I was talking about this on Twitter um, earlier this week, a couple of days ago, about how like... um about how HBO Max is about to go crazy and uh we don't even we don't even see we don't even we're not even prepared <laughs> truly for the slate of movies that they're about to drop on their app. So HBO Max is pretty much their 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 slate for for 2021 is insane. They have Judas and the Black Messiah, Kong versus Godzilla, Justice League, Snyder Cut and Mortal Kombat dropping this year. Um I also saw that they just added the Waynes brothers to their app. Um, I've been watching Batman Beyond lately. Uh, they've been just doing a lot of good, making a lot of good moves. Um, they have been in the news a lot in terms of throwing money at different projects that they are trying to see, um, you know, draw some traction to the app. They... I was watching um, a YouTube series that I that I generally follow for the for the most part, and that uh, covers comics and stuff. And they were talking about how 
uh, HBO had lost a lot of their viewers, about half of their viewers, after Game of Thrones went off the air, which is why they've been on this aggressive push for um, content on HBO Max. And um, you can see that as clear as day from the projects that they've been greenlighting outside of their temple uh, films that would usually come out in theaters, but because of COVID um, are going straight to the app. And um, I don't think it's a, a bad decision. I think that um, it's a bold decision. And a lot of the studios that produce these films are um, are doing a lot of pushback. Christopher Nolan was one of them, even though um, his film didn't fall prey to this um, business decision. The director of uh, Dune uh, is fighting this. And I th- even think that they were able to get a theatrical release. And, but a lot of the um, a lot of other films that Warner Brothers produced produced um, have have fallen victim to the HBO Max release, which I don't even necessarily think is a bad thing, but it just changes the landscape of how we view films um, in a way that nobody can really predict because there's really no new technology or new systems set up to see the see the drastic transition from watching a film for the first time in a movie theater versus watching it for the first time at home and you know we just have to get adjusted to that um even if the even when theaters open back up when all this nonsense is over it just won't be the same so we have to adapt um yeah i just wanted to touch on that because i know uh the streaming wars are currently upon us and um i wanted to move on to another tidbit in that and the fact that netflix is dropping a movie on their um, platform every week this year. Um, I believe that this is um, these are all these will all be Netflix originals and not just acquisitions. But Netflix announced that they will be releasing a movie every week this year, um, which I find incredible because it just shows the longevity and um, the growth of this company. You know, and it's done what Blockbuster couldn't do in all of in the decades that it was operating in, you know, 15 years tops. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's pretty much nuts. And for another tidbit is that, um, Disney plus is eyeing a, um, is eyeing a premiere release for black widow. I know we were supposed to get that last year in May, 2020, but, um, they decided to push it back to this year um, for a theatrical release. But as we near closer and closer to that date, it's looking like theaters won't be um, at the capacity that studios and filmmakers want them to be at. And um, they're going to do that premiere release as they did with Mulan. But Black Widow is a much larger film um, than Mulan. It being um, an MCU film and uh, anticipated for for years on end at this point. Um, and, you know, I think it's cool. I think it's the right decision. I think that they should have made that decision last year. But regardless of the fact, um, I'm glad that whatever data that they <laughs> compiled from that Trash Mulan release was um, enough for them to show that they could do it, you know, and that they could, they should do it with Black Widow, 
and that they should do it with good movies and not just trash movies. But whatever. Um, I'll get into some other things now. Uh, speaking of Disney Plus, I watched WandaVision, the first two episodes. And, um, you know, I've got to say that for the casual viewer, um, that show definitely, well, those two, those two episodes are enjoyable as a casual viewer, because, um, if you aren't really into the time, the MCU timeline and you just enjoy Marvel entertainment, um, as like a touch and go viewer and you sit down and you watch these two episodes of WandaVision and you're expecting Scarlet Witch and, uh, the vision to be there in their superhero formats and fighting villains and this and that, yada, yada, yada. It just isn't that, um, not initially at least. Um, and they take some inspiration from old sitcoms from the forties and the fifties and they lead into later decades, uh, later sitcom decades and stylistics of that nature. And I think that, um, you know, it is a bold decision for Marvel to take the route that they've taken in order um, to tell the story that they that they're trying to tell. But in overall, I think that they will um, they will benefit from the way they're telling this story. But the way they're releasing the episodes, which is I don't know if it's two episodes a week or if it'll be one episode and they just wanted to premiere two episodes initially. But this one episode a week thing. I don't think is the best format for their MCU shows. I think that they should take the Marvel, the Netflix approach and release them in total because it doesn't make the vision for the series come together as clearly when you have to watch it episode by episode by episode. I do think that other series might benefit from this more, but from what I've seen in WandaVision so far, I think that this would have benefited from being, um, a long form story that we could watch from beginning to end and that we don't have to wait for uh, the next part portion of the story, especially since it's only um, about 30 minutes per episode. But all in all, um, I do think that they, um, they consisted of good storytelling and um, good plot building and world building. And it's a good, you know, it's a good direction to 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 move into um and as a marvel fan viewing this i think that it was dope there are a lot of easter eggs there are a lot of things that um there are a lot of things that just lead into what we're going to be expecting in the future and it's a breath of fresh air as a marvel fan to watch this because it's so different um one of the things that marvel studios suffer from a lot especially around phase two was that all of their villains were the same. Their all of their films were pretty much structured the same. And, um, it kind of seemed like you were getting the same thing over and over and over again. And, um, in phase three, in phase three, that changed, um, a little bit, especially going into infinity war and Endgame. But, uh, in phase four, it's definitely starting to show its head more. And I think that, um, Marvel is getting the swing of this whole diverse, casting diverse filmmaking thing and they're applying it to their storytelling in a way that makes their 
um, content more digestible and have a longer lasting life. And um, yeah, that's just my thoughts on um, WandaVision for the first two episodes. I didn't want to get too much into the story, but um, we'll see. I'll, I'll get more into the story aspect of things when we get more story because we just haven't. And, um, you know, all of the characters that we've seen thus far are pretty interesting and they don't really lend any uh, extra information as to how they play uh, a role in the extended Marvel universe. But um, I would like to see how things play out in the future episodes before I start getting into more of the plot. But that's just how I think about it. You know, that's just how I feel about it. And last but not least, let's talk about Outside the Wire. So Outside the Wire is the Netflix original starring Anthony Mackie and Idris. Damon Idris. I was about to say Idris Elba. Uh, Damon Idris and Anthony Mackie. Um, Damon Idris is a drone pilot who kills some of his fellow troops in action. And he is sent to go work in a different platoon or whatever it's called. Excuse me to my military listeners for uh, if I mess that up. And um, he gets reassigned, essentially. And he gets he has to work with essentially what is an android in Anthony Mackie. And they go on this long excursion to, um, you know, deliver a vaccine and help this civil war that's erupted in Europe in the near future uh, subside. So we see an ineffective or uh, unskilled Damon Idris team up with his Android partner, Anthony Mackie, and they go on a bunch of adventures. Uh, I thought this film was pretty cool. I thought that it was a good watch. It wasn't really boring and the acting was really good. Uh, What I'll say is that when um, when the acting is really good, it takes away from how poor a script is. And I do think that this script was very poor. Um, there were a lot of moments in this film that, um, you know, just dragged on like the, the commentary between Damon Idris's character and Anthony Mackie's character, uh, just, there was just too many, there's just too many of them, um, them trying to get to know each other and stuff like that. Like, I understand that that aspect has to exist when you put two characters together that haven't known each other previously, but, um, it, the, the writing made it come off as if Anthony Mackie's character was, um, a jokester and not a military created machine, uh, in order created in order to complete missions. And Damon Idris's character was a very serious character. And, um, I would have had less of an issue with how that played out if the plot wasn't moving in the direction that it was, but since it took the direction that it did, um, when it was all said and done, it left a really confusing taste in my mouth because I didn't really understand what the tone of the film was supposed to be. Um, I think that the film works definitely 
And I could even see them creating a sequel from this or even just following uh, Damien Idris's character. Uh, but I don't think that they treated all characters equally and with care. And I don't think that the story was as strong as it could have been. And another thing that I had issues with was the fact that uh, Anthony Mackie's character, for him to be what the story says he is, didn't really do much action until about halfway through the film. And I found that to be crazy. They didn't show him to be any particularly uh, any more particularly intelligent than anyone else around him. Um, they didn't show him to be any stronger than anyone else, anyone else around him. And um, when it came to him just doing um, superhuman things, it just showed all I saw was someone who with um, extremely talented gifts and someone with that was very trained and um, talented. <laughs> That's the only word I can think of, really. It didn't really give off Android vibes or this is a robot or somebody who can't be killed. Um, there were a couple moments where his character was shot and, you know, he kind of like kept it moving. But, you know, they tried to emphasize that he could feel pain and that's why he could interact with other soldiers and things like that. But uh, all in all, I don't think that it worked out in the way that um, it could have. It could have been a different. It definitely could have been a better film, but it wasn't a bad film. And I definitely suggest you guys watch it just to get your own opinion on it. Uh, I'm just giving you my thoughts um, as I think about all the moments in the film that that occurred. I think that Damon Idris definitely steals the show. And I uh, and I think that it was a good decision for the film to focus on him while having another strong character like Anthony Mackie or what or another strong actor rather in Anthony Mackie to um to partner with him and I don't uh think that um we've seen the last of Damon Idris in these types of roles I think that in the future he should take more uh espionage or action roles rather than the kind of um what's the word I'm looking for uh method method roles um like he plays in, in snowfall even though i think that he can do both so uh moving forward i don't i don't really know what uh type of movies and other projects he will be doing but i think that this lane is definitely good for him i saw denzel will smith vibes um but i don't want to you know gas him up too much but I do think that he did a really good job with this film. Um, and all in all, you know, the direction was cool. The story was uh, good enough to hold me. The acting was really good. The stars of this film definitely made sure that um, you were captivated. And uh, the writing could have been better. So, you know, that's just how I feel. And I'm going to just leave it at, I'm going to just leave it there. And that's all I got for you guys this week, you know. So, as always, and questions topics and music and movie suggestions you can follow the podcast at vs mike history on twitter and you can follow the podcast on instagram at versus mike history you can follow me on twitter at mike history and you can follow me on instagram at last name history 
everything versus Mike History related can be found at versusmikehistory.com. That's episodes, that's playlists, that's our merch that's coming really soon. Um, that's our live streams that's coming real soon also. Our interviews and much, much more. And, um, you know, stay black, people. I, I'm calling this episode openly black because of the statements that um, were written about Don Lemon in a recent article in a publication that I don't remember, but uh, they spoke about how Don Lemon was openly black. And uh, I found that hilarious. And the discourse about it on Twitter uh, about how it was going to be made into a T-shirt is hilarious because right before I recorded this, I actually saw that somebody made it into a shirt. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm out, people. See, y'all, see you guys next week.